When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Hale Varsity Radio Saturday Morning Show. Strap yourselves in. Here are your hosts, Chris Schmidt. Y'all don't even know he was a virgin until he's 28, and now, roll tide. And Mark Cranach. Time has come for someone to put his foot down. And that foot is me. Welcome to it. Weekend editions here at Hale Varsity Radio Roadshow Saturday. It's Nebraska. It is Michigan as we're here at the Hale Varsity Club in La Vista. Noon to two today and going to be Husker Football Central. You're invited out and uh, stay warm. Get a drink, get a burger, get that giant pretzel. Hunker down for the upset of all upsets, right? Well, you can think that. Mark Cranach with me from his Husker Den. Elijah Herbals made the roadie up here. Connor Clark still chained to the ESPN Lincoln Studios. Pharmacist Jeff is with me as we go to Dave Matthews tonight. I'm sure Dave will be playing some some Hale Varsity as part of his opener. Uh, we are inviting you to come by the Hale Varsity Club in La Vista. Get uh, your game face ready. Numbers to get in at 466 466- Three seven seven six four six six three seven seven six eight hundred eight two five five eight six five. Hail Varsity Radio presented by Currency for all your equipment financing needs. Go Currency and Cranek. You missed out Uh-oh. on a uh, E True Hollywood story unauthorized conversation. Our old buddy Vic <laughs> in Denver was listening on the uh, the iHeart stream. And apparently, uh-huh. leading up to showtime, we were talking about, uh, I'm not going to name names, but <laughs> strippers we knew and, and past concerts we've attended. <laughs> Luckily, I, we pray Connor has not rolled tape on any of this till now. Well, yeah. I didn't know you knew a bunch of strippers by name. I, I do not, but there's two other names you can... Uh, huh. So, and then Dave look at Matthews me. I don't tonight. know any. <laughs> so hold on. Dave Matthews tonight. All yes. Right. I get Fifth, it. 15th get show it. with me and Jeff. People love them some Dave Matthews. I understand that. But like, I think people go a little too far with going to his concerts and acting Wait. like, I mean, listen, you can go to any Walgreens and hear Dave Matthews and Cheryl Crow. Right? They're, they're just like a part of the soundtrack of life. Mm-hmm. I don't know why you would need to go see, like, pay $130 when you could just stop at your local high V and probably take in one Dave Matthews track, one Sheryl Crow track, and you're good. Like, why do you need to pay the, to the go whole... watch it in person and not sound as good as it does? No, he sounds incredible. Albums. Have you been to a, a Dave show live? No, I have not. He sounds incredible live, and there's the hope that we get a, get a little acoustic action because that's really cool. And that's think, really and maybe really he cool. comes to the Hale Varsity Club after. He's maybe. been kicking it down in the old market the last 24 hours. He went to the old Homer's location, I think, or the the did Homer's he? location. Yeah, he's got a uh, did a selfie with the guy who runs Homer's down there. 
So, yeah. I think I wow. might have seen his tour buses last night. I wasn't stalking. I was out with our friend Garth Glissman. So, so he's just like us. He just he hangs goes out. To yeah. He goes yeah. to Homer's, and he's, he's looking for that. Uh, what, what, was, what was the last CD you bought? <laughs> I, it's been a while. Right? Mine exactly. was uh, the Rolling Stones uh, Double Licks Tour from, nine, from 2002. Yeah, I, 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 just, I don't know. So do you yeah, drink exactly. like a lighter and stuff? Or are you holding your lighter up? We, or we, don't, we don't have What's any lighters. This? Well, well, here's What's where I was going to go. With, with what happened before the show, and with Schmitty going to a Dave Matthews Band show tonight, he's going to show up to work on Monday morning with a random drug test notice <laughs> for sure. <laughs> it's funny, though. The last show we went to was in Des Moines, and those same gals that – we'd sit next to it seems like we ran into the same eight people that are from this region right for a lot of shows somebody looked familiar it's funny to see us all get old because you know 20 years ago we're vibrant and feel wonderful you fast forward you have four cats and you're eating chocolate uh edibles not us but the, the people we sat next to it, it's weird how things shift. It's weird how things shift with two powers in college football. The helmet game of Nebraska, the helmet game of Michigan, a three-point uh, extravaganza a year ago. Now it's 30 and a half points, and don't get embarrassed, don't get killed, run clock, get out alive. There's snow falling in Ann Arbor. Our friends from Hale Varsity, Aaron Sorensen, and uh, Brady Altman reporting so it's kind of a throwback setting. It's too bad, Cranach and Elijah and Connor, that it's not a throwback game between these two. Can somebody go find Randy Gregory and Amir Abdullah for old times' sake and, and make this thing competitive today? That's the fear that, you know, Nebraska's going to fight, but it's heavyweight versus lightweight, dare well, I say. Well, the, the problem is, is usually whenever you get into one of these games where you're going up against a top five opponent, you're kind of hoping for crappy weather just to kind of level the playing field, make sure they love it. it. That's the problem. <laughs> With Michigan, they are built for crappy weather. They're built for snow on a Saturday. They love it. They're, they're hard-nosed football team, old school. They're going to run the ball down your throat. And you know what? Nebraska, you like to throw the football? Try throwing the football in, in blowing snow. We're going to keep running the football at you, and we're going to dare you to run the football right back. It. it this is one of those games where, I mean, nine times out of ten, like you think NFL playoffs, you think, okay, bad weather, it's in Green Bay, that's going to lo- level the playing field for everybody, it's going to be an ugly football game, we'll see who wants it more. The problem is with this game, Nebraska's not built for that, and I think Michigan's going to want it more. The fact that they're not built for that, that Nebraska is not, is just disgusting to me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, just, it's, so, it's so hard to hear you say those words out loud. They're very true. Elijah, you're not lying. Michigan's built for that. They're tough. They're physical. They can run the ball. But yeah, that's what you need to build your team for. And it's 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 been incredible to me this week. And this this isn't on Mickey, man. This is this goes back years, right? But it's incredible to me to hear this week, like you know what? We gotta run run the ball in this conference. <laughs> you think? <laughs> Do you think so? Do you think we should probably do that? Like, you need to be able to do it till 2022 to figure that out. Are you kidding me? This has been a really frustrating week from that standpoint, and it's going to be punctuated (laughs) by Michigan doing unspeakable things to Nebraska today. 
Well, it's, and, I mean, it's going to be absolutely brutal. And, and I've heard, uh, come on. I've heard people defend Nebraska's passing attack by saying, well, it works for Purdue. It works for Indiana. And the thing is, is they need to do that because look at who they're going up against recruiting in their recruiting footprint. They're going up against the Michigans, the Ohio States, the Wisconsins of the world with, you know, those high-level offensive linemen that come out of the uh, the upper Midwest. Like, that's yeah. who they're going up against. That's not who Nebraska's going against. If you can build a rushing attack at Nebraska, you need to. I mean, we talked to Charlie McBride on Monday, and he said, that's why we, and by we, he was referring to him and Tom Osborne, that's why we always wanted to run the footballs because we looked at the weather in the state of Nebraska, and we mm-hmm. knew – you know what? Having a strong rushing attack is going to be the best offense we can have because whenever November rolls around, whenever it's snowing in Ann Arbor, whenever it's snowing in Lincoln, whenever it's cold and windy, it's just and talk no wind. Play football. And wind and throwing the football at best, at best, depending on what hash you're on and what direction you have it, because half yeah. the game you're going into it, you got to be able to ground and pound, and, and Mickey gets that. So does I, Coach Prime, I, so it's good. No, I, yeah. How about that? That <laughs> went from Gary Patterson to, oh, no, to, well, maybe. How about Coach Prime? <laughs> As he shot that down last night right at six addressing his team. But Well, what else? Well, kind of. Not really. He said, he said, I haven't talked to Nebraska, which is certainly possible that he has not. He could have talked to representatives. We he didn't shoot it down. I'm not, say, I'm not saying prime time's coming to Lincoln. I'm not saying that. That would be phenomenal, though. I don't know <laughs> if it would work, but just I'm just it'd talking like cool. entertainment value. Entertainment oh, it'd, value it'd be alone. fun. It'd be all right. Wow. It'd be all right. We would have to be talking recruiting every single day with that potential two-headed monster, and I, I'm inclined to believe, not to dive too far into this on Michigan game, but I know we need to go there, even though... I really don't no, want to. Oh, no, um, we can do carousel for two hours. The, it's all good. Yeah. The two-headed monster <laughs> of Mickey and Dion, and Mickey's name-dropped Dion a couple times in press conferences, saying how much he respects Dion, how much he thinks Dion's a, a voice uh, for their community, saying, you know what, Dion says things that I can't always say. He puts it into words better than me. Mickey respects the hell out of Dion, so I'd assume if Dion's the guy, Mickey would be sticking around. Imagine that two-headed monster of Deion Sanders and Mickey Joseph on the recruiting trail. I know they lack some head coaching experience, but they do have a great equalizer in the fact that I legitimately think those two could go pull top 10 recruiting classes to Nebraska. And with the talent you can bring in, that, you know, uh, reduces the risks of some of the the factors, you know, limited coaching experience. If you have all the talent in the world, you can kind of learn on the fly a little bit more than if you don't have all the talent. I I think both those guys can coach up talent. That's great. Now, Here's back to your your statement, Mark, about being able to and wanting to run the football in bad weather and being able to do it in November. Prime and, and Mickey can go get dudes that are going to score a lot of touchdowns for you, make a lot of plays in the secondary. Can you go get linemen? I mean – you would think they'd be able to hire people that are great on the lines or be able to coach on the lines. You would think that, but that's that's really the truth about Big Ten football and why Nebraska is such a mess right now is because what they aren't on the lines of scrimmage. Or we, we dance and dream about, okay, here's a difference maker at quarterback. Here's a, a guy like Palmer at wideout. Here's a guy like Grant at running back. Uh, how about uh, Will Anderson off the edge for Alabama, right? I mean, just go through the difference makers on third down, offense or defense, uh, to, to put it in third and long. 
or to take the top off a of defense. It really comes down to what Nebraska's game plan wants to be today, and that's getting three or four yards on first or second down, and that's between the tackles. That's stopping things between the tackles, and, and that's, you know, if Coach Prime and, or Mickey can do that, great. If it's an outside hire, uh, whatever. But it, it's got to get fixed. It's got to get done from a developmental and an evaluation and then a, a coaching standpoint. I mean, those are the three bullet points that have been a bit of a nightmare for seven years. It's yeah. That's well, why this and, game. That's why this game may be may be on ABC, and is going to be really aesthetically cool when they drop both the helmets. But as far as the game itself, it should never, ever, ever be like it is today, where it's not that just one team's favored, but it's the reality that the one team's favored by four plus touchdowns over another blue blood because this program slipped so far. Uh, because of lack of line play, lack of identity, and being good at one thing on offense. And doing what is quite obvious. I mean, it's it's just obvious. Like, it, we're not – when people talk about, hey, run the ball, run the ball, they're not saying run the wing bone or bring back, you know, run Let's the be double be able leg, to do it. Get me five, Bring back please. Osborne. Is it, you know, bring, bring back the triple option. It's just it's 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 common sense, dude. Like we're we're not even talking about like how hard is it to understand that? Like the weather in Nebraska is terrible and unpredictable. Throwing the ball in terrible and unpredictable weather is a bad idea. Like <laughs> it's I mean, right? Like is is it is it much deeper than that? Like how how is that hard to comprehend? How how is that what? Why would you come to any other conclusion than, damn, we got to prioritize line play in the Midwest in a fall slash winter? Gotta be sport. good at it. Just don't screw it's it up. Just, Develop. It's have, just have ridiculous. Depth. It's, it's 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 not sexy. Is the thing running the football is not sexy when Dude. you're trying to recruit to a place like Nebraska. I mean, that's, that's why that, that that's my big thing with with why Nebraska can't go back to the triple option. It's not because I don't think it can work in a modern college football. I think the triple option can work in a modern college football. It's more that you're going to struggle to recruit the talent that you need to make it work in the modern college football whenever you're running the triple option. Because these high school kids, they want to make their three- or four-year stop in college and then make it off and make their big bucks in the NFL. It's not like college football used to be where you care truly care about the place you're going to college play college football it's a, a stop on the journey for an athlete and if they're running a triple option you're going to say that's not giving me the best chance to go make sure. it to the nfl and it's a similar story when you're going and talking recruiting with trying to go compete with these top 25 recruiting classes it's tough to go sell to this great quarterback or this great wide receiver or this what have you this great talent that you know what we're going to turn the ball or turn around and hand the ball off 35 times a game. If you're a running back, it's great. If you're an offense lineman, it's great. But you're going to go struggle to recruit that top-end talent that wants to go play in the NFL. I'm talking the Justin Jeffersons, the Jamar Chases. It's tough to sell them on a program where you say, you know what, you might get the ball two times this game, and we're going to hand the ball to our running back 35 times. It's tough. It's not sexy, but it's what's going to allow you to win. Look at Wisconsin. Wisconsin's not turning out quarterback talent and wide receiver talent to the NFL, but damn, do they send some running backs. And linemen, you know what is sexy? Winning. Yes. Not being a a 31-and-a-half-point dog, uh, 2.30 on ABC for the world to see. But I I can understand why a coach comes in and says, you know what, how do we turn this around? We need some talent. How do we get some talent? We make ourselves a sexy offense that the talent's going to want to come play for. 
I understand that, but it hasn't worked for so long that it, at this point you're, you're 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 banging your years. head into a wall repeatedly trying to do this again because yeah. it's clearly shown in Nebraska it's not the place to do this. I know you want to turn out NFL talent, Period. but it's more important to go win football games for the fans for everybody. It's it's harder to sell talent on that, but that's why the development is so important at a place like Nebraska. And then these experiments with folks like Whipple, not putting it all on him. He got hired to run his offense, and he's doing that. But he, he doesn't seem like he comprehends that whole concept of what Nebraska needs to do to win, right? Like, he's, he's talking about points. You know, we need points. You, know, you got to get points. Sure. But you also have to have drives that last longer than 20 seconds. You also need to keep your quarterback from getting splattered all over the turf, hmm. right? <laughs> you, you need that too, right? Because your defense actually – for the most part, I think save for Purdue and Oklahoma, they've showed up and played fine. well early, consistently this year, right? And then they wear out. They get worn down. You just get they, you know, the heavy running attacks just keep leaning on them, leaning on them, leaning on them, and then they can't, they can't make a stop because they're worn down because the offense doesn't do anything to protect them because they're dropping back and throwing even though they can't pass protect, right? And then I, I don't know, man. It's just. It's it's like people that have been in charge have just really made it a lot harder than it has to be. Like, right? Like, what is, what is he talking about? What is Whipple talking about that you just need to you just need to score points? No, you need to win games. And the best way to win games is not dropping back thirty times against the Wolverines today. I just pray to God that he <laughs> that well, he comes well, he gets to that overruled. conclusion. Mark, right. I, I, I will just make a point here. Honestly, whenever you look at where this offensive line is at right now, dropping back and throwing the ball 30 times might be your best chance to win today, realistically, with how good that Michigan offense is. If, if Michigan jumps out 14 nothing in the first half, that might be your best option to win, but it's not your best option moving forward. I think there needs to be an understanding that the talent that's within this team right now is just not good enough to do what Nebraska wants to do. I guarantee Mark Whipple knows that running the football is advantageous in the Big Ten. I just think he says zero faith. He says, I have zero faith in my running game, and I have faith in myself as a play caller throwing the football. That's what I know. So whenever this rushing attack isn't working, we're going to go to throwing the football because that's what I'm comfortable with. I don't think it's a factor of Mark Whipple is so oblivious to the fact that running the football is what's going to allow you to win. I think it's more him saying, you know what, I don't trust the rushing attack, and therefore I'm going to go back to what's comfortable because the rushing attack has shown it's not our best chance to win. When like it or not, I think you do have to evaluate the talent that's within the program right now. I mean, what have you seen from an offensive line and from a rushing attack that gives you confidence that Nebraska's going to be able to go run the football against Michigan? I, I saw, and Connor jump in here as well, I saw their their first series, guys, against Minnesota where they lined up double tight and they were balanced. There was a couple of short passes, but they did most of their work to get up 7 nothing, to get up 10 nothing last week against the top 15 defense on the ground you didn't stay with it till they stopped you that's my biggest complaint i know he's smart i know he can scheme he's he's half the reason you have any wins because he's dialed up the right play at the right time or there's some things that nebraska has advantages on he zeroed in on and, and game plan for but there's stubbornness and you don't have to show your brain is my point. Mm. You you could have you could have hung out with the double tight and just start make 
make them stop you on some uh, some between the tackles stuff before you moved on. Yeah, tick off two and a half minutes of clock instead of twenty seconds. That's what I'm talking about. I almost don't even care how effective the run game is. It's the point that you don't abandon it, right? Like, of course, you want it to be effective, duh. But even if it's not, that does not mean. Well, we can't run it, so we better drop back and lose another quarterback to injury <laughs> because you can't pass block either. So if you can't pass block and you can't run block, what is the what is the most what is the best thing to do overall for the team? Run some clock, protect the defense a little bit, right? Stick to it, stick to it, do some boot, do some play action which that hardly ever happens either. I don't know why that doesn't happen a lot. Third and um, long, cut your losses, take a knee, run that clock some more. <laughs> 155 yards, you know, play, like, it's just, come on, man. It, well, I don't know. Something I've been going back and forth all week with, Mark, is the spread, which we alluded to earlier, and I think you make a good point. Even if it doesn't work, hold the ball for more than a minute rather than 20 seconds. I said earlier this week, Nebraska doesn't cover. I said yesterday on the show that they do cover. I'm still kind of going back and forth. What are your thoughts about Nebraska's chances of cutting into that point spread? If if Whipple rolls out the same game plan he's been rolling out, which is let's, let's drop Whipple. back and chuck it, then, yeah, it's it's minimum 49-17 type, type win for Michigan. Well, 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 what, what have you seen from Mark Whipple that makes you think that the game plan today is going to change at all? Like, I, 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 know, I, I, know I Mickey pray Joseph that says, Mickey's sit-down with him has hit home because you've had two weeks of waywardness or yeah. you're, you're up against it. If he's, but, if he's throwing the ball 38 times with Pretty today, he needs to oh. not get back on the bus. Yeah. Well, but well, did you it, listen it, to his presser earlier this week? His presser earlier this week was, what do you think about, you know, running the ball, getting four or five yards a pop? And he said, well, we got to score good points. points. Yeah. That was the ultimate answer of, <laughs> yeah, I understand what, what Mickey wants, but this is my offense. I'm and I know better 40 than years. I was at UMass playing for a title. Uh, yeah, I remember like, when I, Ben Roethlisberger came out. Remember, remember Big Ben? Remember Big Ben? You know what's awesome, too, is, like, his personality and crustiness is fantastic if you're on a two-game winning streak. But now it's just absolutely divisive, and I'm digging my heels in. And, and he's your 14-year-old dog that will not come inside during a thunderstorm. How about two? How, how long did it take any of us to quickly realize that Purdy is just not ready? No, he just he, he just what? is not you ready. Get him ready. It took it took you what like five snaps to know that, like it was just obvious, right? The well, where like, Schmidt and I went earlier this week is like, there's got to be something going on behind the scenes with Logan Smothers' injury concerns or something. But with, with the utilization of him, there's just got to be something that's not right because we all saw it on Saturday how much better Logan Smothers was than Chuba. We saw it the week before against Illinois too when Smothers came Not in. You went, close. that's a guy who's better than than Chuba Purdy. And, I mean, I don't think it takes 40 years of coaching experience to see that. No. And I don't think 40 years of coaching experience is going to make you see something that we don't. I think everyone can see that. And I think there's got to be the question in the back of your mind is, what's going on behind the scenes with Logan? I mean, I think he's. I think he got dinged against Minnesota. They were hesitant to put him back in. I wonder if he got dinged against Illinois even going back that far because of how he came out 
at the end of the second half, and you said, all right, Logan Smothers is going to be your guy moving forward. Mickey Joseph thinks he's going to be the guy coming out of halftime talking with ABC, and then, oh, Chubba Purdy's on the field. Who hadn't practiced. Who hadn't practiced. There's something weird going on there. (laughs) Completely. You know, the other part, too, is that, okay, great, they're both splitting reps. Figure it out, dude. Figure out getting quarterbacks reps during the week, for the love of God. Okay, please do it. Please. Do you hear what we're talking about? That's what I know. I'm saying, it's. Chris. I'm, it's I'm so glad amazing. you're tack. I'm glad you're hitting and tackling. Yes. Great. I mean, they look they look better, right? But, dude, get people that aren't your starters ready to go during the week. Are you saying that people in practice should? I don't know. Practice. Practice. Yes. <laughs> it sounds like so that's so what I'm talking. Like, what are we talking about? It is so basic. Thank you, Alan. And obvious. Can can. Does coach can coach Prime do that? Somebody, I don't care who the coach is. Can the coach show up, commit to a running game, and let players practice? Well, can Nebraska the, can has do the that? biggest ro- There's the biggest roster in the Big Ten down in, in Lincoln. So what are you doing if guys aren't getting reps? Are you telling me guys are just sitting out? I've I've heard a lot of times there's guys that are just sitting up in the stands at Memorial Stadium because, you know what, we, we can only have enough room for this many guys. What's the point of having the biggest roster in the Big Ten if you're not getting guys reps at practice? You have, what, 160 guys on the roster at Nebraska? There should be four team periods going every single practice, making sure everybody's That's getting reps. That's a great idea. Yeah, well, they get mental idea. reps. Elijah, okay. you got live vote for the next coach. Thank you, that. thank you. Elijah Herbal, 2022. I'll write myself in, election style. I, I didn't get <laughs> county engineer, but uh, maybe I'll get Nebraska's next head coach. Elijah, if you <laughs> commit to running the ball and we give you a pot of money to hire whichever coordinators you want, I'm cool with that. Like, that's fine. Elijah for head coach. I don't care who the coach is. If it's Coach Prime, if it's Mickey, if it's Leipold, if it's Rule, just commit to running the ball. Get people reps in practice. Like, this, can we just start there, right, and end there? Really, <laughs> like, that's it. That's all we're talking about. That's all that needs to happen. And it's just so frustrating to watch. It's it's just so frustrating to watch uh, an unprepared, not back ready up. quarterback drop back thirty times. It's just, what are you doing? Like, seriously, what are you doing? I I don't know. If that happens today, dude, look, People Michigan needs it. style points. Michigan needs style points, right? They, uh, they, they don't, mean, need, they don't need style points. They need style points if they were to lose to Ohio State in two weeks. That's why they need that style points. And even then, I don't think they're getting in. Even if they've had a, a stylish win over Nebraska, let's be honest, doesn't mean all that much to the college football playoff committee if they go lose to Ohio State in two weeks. I, I, I understand the style points argument. But I think Harbaugh knows that in order for him to get into college football playoff, he has to go beat Ohio State. If he loses that game, I don't care how sexy all his wins were earlier in the year. It doesn't matter. You lose to Ohio State, there's only one Big Ten team getting in this year. He's, uh, he's got Illinois on the horizon. That's going to be uber physical. Uh, the coldest man in America award goes to Jeff Brom. Uh, he is out doing the Cranach ski mask look this weekend uh, in Champaign, which is pretty impressive. Listen, Cranach, to the topic of, and we'll, we'll get you out. I know you got to rock out, but what is it? Is it a 17-point loss today where you fight through four quarters? Is it a, is it a 38-21 that's acceptable? No. I mean, you're, you're going to the, uh, 
the gallows today. That's the feel. There's zero energy for this ball game. Really good folks here at the Hale Varsity Club already getting their table. So, I mean, Nebraska fans are still going to watch. But point is, is the juice and the the excitement for the season's been long gone, and, and now it's shifted to the to the, to the who who's it going to be type mindset. But you know, you still have three and a half, four hours of TV for the world to see today. Mickey, no Mickey, whatever. It's still a, a program advertisement uh, where ABC paid top dollar for this matchup. The, these look, <laughs> Michigan's given up 652 yards on the ground all year. All right, through nine games. Um, <laughs> you know, they're, they're not, they're only giving up because I think it's 242 a game or something like that. So N- Nebraska is not going to be able to move the ball. Right. And if they, and if they get past happy, this thing is going to get away from them quick. I'm talking like 56 to Ten. three type stuff. Right. Like, yeah, like Ohio it, State. it, could, get, it yeah. could get pretty bad unless, unless Nebraska just is hard headed, sticks it on the ground, makes the game boring, extends it slows the game down a little bit. Other than that, if they if they come out trying to drop Purdy back 30 times, I mean, come on. But, but I better not see quit. Purdy today. Yeah. I would hope, and, and that's the thing, with this, with this rushing attack, at least give me a changeup. You have Logan Smothers. Make the defense have to account for the quarterback. That takes a defender yeah. every single play. You need to do something to get this running game sparked, but I just don't think Mark Whipple's the style of guy that is going to sit back and say, you know what? Let's lose by 24 instead of 35. I think he's the kind of guy that is going to say, you know what, I'm going to give us the best chance to win. Whipple's going to do it his way yep. unless he's been talked into doing it our way. Cranach, we'll see you soon, buddy. Thanks for jumping on. Chad soon. Go Big Red. There we go. Today. Connor yeah, Clark, okay. Chris Schmidt, Mark Cranach, Elijah Herbal. Rewind on the way. Searles coming up with Hale Varsity. Now it's time to get back to the Hale Varsity Radio Show with Chris Schmidt and Mark Cranach. All right, that's it! You two guys leave me no choice. No television for a week. What? Back with you, it's Hale Varsity Radio. We say hi to our favorite Husker lineman, longtime NFLer, Jeremiah Searles. Searles in his Husker and uh, football den. Searles, what's good, man? Good to spend time with you. Have you, have you achieved getting Bambi yet? Not yet, but my dad is headed into town, and we are going out tonight to go ahead and start chasing some deer and seeing what we can do. Saw some big boys show up on cam last night, so that is all exciting stuff. The weather took a shift from yesterday when it was 75 degrees, so it's getting a little cooler, which is all nice and good. So we are on our way fresh into deer season. That is all good. I was whining to you off air. Junior turned 16 today. And uh, his vehicle, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm sifting through, and you just shook your head and said, Schmidt should have got him an 04 Honda. Yeah, man, you get those 04 Civics, they just can't die. Is that what you, you drove, know, your first car? I drove a 1999 F-150 bench seat, five-speed on the floor, nice. no power windows, no air conditioning. It was my dad's old work truck, mm-hmm. and that thing went through hell and back and never quit on me. I ended up turning it in for $500. <laughs> Reminds me of the, uh, the story of uh, Andy Janovich when he was playing with the Broncos. Yeah. Still driving his old Ford. I think it was a Ford. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Still driving it and said, yeah, I just spent all my money on hunting gear and chew. Yeah. yeah. Well, <laughs> that's a good priority, quite frankly. After my, after my first year in the league, uh, I came back home and drove it. And I drove out to meet Emma. She was in, uh, where was she at? Wichita? Washburn. She was at Washburn. And we drove out to watch the Super Bowl there. And on my way home, the heater went out in my truck. And it was like minus 20 out. Mm. And I was driving in my full Carhartts, like gloves on, hat on. And then my windshield wiper fluid stopped working. And so 
I started using like the Propel bottle with the windshield and I'm driving home like, yep, that's it. I'm done. I play in the NFL now getting a new truck (laughs) and drove to Woodhouse the next day and got a brand new F-150. Look at you, Searles. I love it. Hey, first big boy purchase. There, there you go. Well, uh, Junior's going to be uh, be working. He may be scooping snow for you if you're. Well, uh, I got I got dog poop that needs to be picked up, so he's welcome anytime. Okay. Well, once he starts doing it at home, maybe we'll send him your way. <laughs> uh, big weekend. Uh, speaking of not wanting to, to to miss step in different spots, mm. going to be a little difficult on Saturday for the boys, isn't it? Oh, just slightly. You know, I think that the line was 29 and a half when I uh, first looked at it. And I don't know if it's moved since, but I think that that's a very accurate line. And this, that just, ooh, I mean, that's just awful to think about that. We are almost 30 point dogs to a Big Ten team. And granted, Michigan may be one of the better teams in the country, but it just shows where we're at in the program right now. And it's just really, it's not going to be pretty. There's just no way. I, I don't think there's any way the Huskers can win this game. Nope. And uh, do you worry about fight? We were talking with Vokalek earlier this week, and I trust his his radar. And, and he's like, look, we're fighters. You're supposed to say that. Totally get it. But he's a guy that I don't think will let other guys fold. I don't see that. You guys didn't have some of the best seasons. You had good seasons, don't get me wrong, but you had those kind of tipping point ball games, right, where – you were close, and had you won at Michigan State, for instance, you're, you're probably playing for, for another Big Ten championship opportunity, right? right? You guys always would bounce back after a tough outing. And and this team's now working on a, a few game-losing streaks, and, and they've been a part of it. I mean, everyone in this locker room's not had that nine-win, eight-win season. I mean, they've yeah. they, they at least won two in a row this year. That's great, but man, it's it's really a death march right now. It is, and you know, and it's easy to say we're fighters because we are. We're all ultimate competitors. Everyone who plays at the collegiate level, the NFL level, I mean, any level, you're an ultimate competitor. You're an elite. You're an elite athlete, and so there is no quit in you. But what there is in you is doubt. There's doubt, and doubt is a terrible thing because whether you want it there or not, it lives there. Because if you don't know what it is to overcome and what it means to bounce back and win those big games, and there's always that piece of you that's like, here we go again. You know, I thought maybe we were going to get past that point this season, but I really just don't think we are. And that's just because not enough people on the team have been in those shoes. You know, not enough guys that are leaders have been able to step up and say, hey, no, it doesn't have to be like this. We win close games. We win big games, you know, but I think that we talked, I talked about on the podcast this week with Jessica Cootie, you know, it's. It's along the lines of if you go into this game already defeated, like you have no shot. Now, it's one thing to go in and be realistic about where we are as a team, but you can't walk into this game as a player, as a, as a whole, and think, man, we're just going to get killed, which I worry at times could be partially part of this team's psyche. Jeremiah Searles with us here on Hale Varsity Radio. And Searles, when you look across at what Michigan has, I think that 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 mentality could seep into the program. And we talk offensive line. So I got a, a Michigan defensive lineman. I want to get your take on because it's the task that the offensive line faced this week. Mozzie Smith. He's a guy who's been eating up double teams all season long. And he was preseason number one on the athletics freak list in college football. Let's 
take you through the numbers. 22 reps on the bench press, uh, but that's not 225. That's 325 pounds for 22 reps. Uh, a 441 shuttle, a 6953 cone drill, and they also had to build a modified jammer machine, which I'm not sure if, if you can explain that, that machine, Searles, but yep. they, they'd make a modified one that went up to 400 pounds on each side for this guy. He, he's ridiculous, and I'm tra- sitting here trying to figure out how the Husker offensive line is going to deal with a guy like that. Well, all I know is Casey Thompson. If I'm him, I'm going, ow, I hurt one more week because I don't really feel like dying on Saturday. You know, I have Chubba and Logan. Like, if you're listening, pals, life insurance, eight, like State Farm, Jake, like call one of those people because it, it could get ugly. Wow. Like this Michigan D-line is really freaking good. You know, I put them up there against Bama's and the Georgia's and what they're doing from top to bottom, from pass rushing to stopping the run is fantastic. And, you know, you look at the Husker offensive line that has been less than subpar. I mean, there was multiple times last week where, again, it looked like a race to the quarterback off the edges and the DNs are hitting each other at nine yards and we're not getting a ton of push in the run game. But then there's other times where we look like we were doing okay, you know, but the definition of a bad offensive line is inconsistency. And that's what we are. We're inconsistent and we're more consistently bad than good. And, you know, those are just things that aren't. But that guy is just an absolute freak show. He's going to go on to make a ton of money in the NFL. He's going to go on to be a very high draft pick. And, you know, you got to take care of a guy because he can wreck a game before it even starts if you let a guy like that get going. Searles, the, the thing that stuck out to me many with Mickey this week was being okay with three to four yard runs. And mm-hmm. I love that opening script. I like the double tight. I love that Grant busted one for almost 40 to start. And it was downhill. Nebraska looked like they could run the ball. Now, Nebraska's had a problem for a lot of years of running the football when they have to run the football. But they abandoned the thing before they needed to, I guess, is the way to put it against Minnesota. You're up, that's what's miraculous is you're up on that team with their backup coming in. And you're up 10, which has got to feel like, you know, almost three scores. Excuse me, and they and they flip it around on you. I mean, a hell of a coaching job for Minnesota and finding a way. And I know that pains you, but they 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 earned it in the second half last week. But Nebraska just can't can't do it or won't do it. Running running the football, and they, they've got to they got to be comfortable with just holding on to it and kind of playing some smash mouth. As hard as that sounds here Saturday. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and yeah, all credit to P.J. Fleck and that staff. You know, they rode that boat real hard in the second half, and it, and it worked <laughs> out. But, you know, for the Michigan game, and here's what here's what pains me a little bit about our offense, Schmitty, and I'm not going on a little tangent here, but I think that Mark Whipple is a fantastic scripter and opening play caller. But what I've come to realize is here's what Mark Whipple is. He's an old-school coach, and he's a box checker. And what I mean by that. I played with coaches before. This is not a knock on Whipple. This I played with a lot of coaches that are like this. They have their script. And if they have success with plays within the opening script, they won't go back to those plays until they have checked off all of the boxes on that script. And sometimes what happens is by the time you get back to what was successful after you've checked off all these other boxes, the defense has already made the adjustment and now it's no longer a successful thing. You know, I think the great coordinators and the newer coordinators and the, the, the minds of football of, that are doing great things are, okay, yes, we have our openers. This was early. Let's keep hammering that, and then we'll get to our openers. Like, it doesn't have to be considered down the list of how things go. I think Coach Whipple is a box check, old school, 
we're going to just knock off all the openers because when you see the success we had running the football downhill and then we didn't do it again and then all of a sudden we tried to come back to it when nothing else was working, then it's no longer successful. I think Mark Whipple and the staff has to be able to say, this is successful right now. Let's keep doing it until they stop us and then we'll pivot and then we'll shift and then they have to game plan against us and it's no longer us trying to game plan against them and then we may have some success with this offense. Now against Michigan, it's not going to matter. They're just much better than us. But when you start talking about teams like Wisconsin and Iowa, like you have to go into games with so much better game plans than what we've had the last couple of times. Jeremiah Searles with us here, Hale Varsity Radio. And, and Searles, you mentioned the fact that Michigan is just that much better. So do you expect to see, you know, I don't want to say a white flag mentality, but if Nebraska gets down early in this football game, do you think they start keeping some of their cards close to their chest? You know, maybe keeping in a quarterback like Chubb or Logan, even though they might not be finding success, just to say, you know what, let's let's keep some things close to our chest before Wisconsin. Or is it, is it just too far gone in the season for anything like that? I mean, yeah, it, it's too far gone to have anything close to the chest. You know, unless you want to put in a completely special, like different kind of gimmicky package then yeah sure, I, I guess I guess the question I'm, I'm referring to is going to a more quarterback run heavy system with a guy like Logan Smothers I think Logan should start personally mm-hmm. I think that if Casey Thompson doesn't start Logan Smothers should be QB1 and should get his opportunity it's been a long time since Iowa where he had his one opportunity to go out there and take care of the entire game and do his thing we saw what Chubba could do last week last week it was not great you know, so let's give Logan an opportunity. Granted, it's against that freaking werewolf of a defense, but let's see what he can do. And let's start building for next year. You know, I, I'm already kind of on the mentality of like, let's build for next year because this year, let's face it, we're not going to a bowl game. You know, so let's see what the young cat can do. Let's see how he's developed and let's see what this offense could look like if he's back there, you know, because we just don't know what the plan is with Casey. So there's a lot going on back there, but I think that Logan should get a, a, a fair shake over the last three weeks here. Let's go into the mind of Trev here for a moment and and talk about the the coaching position and you know Mickey's context is important. We've kind of always prefaced what we're saying with this is a really tough hand that's been dealt to Mickey and he's navigated, he's managed, he's motivated and Nebraska until things went sideways, they were in it against Illinois. They had a great plan and got out of the gate well against Minnesota. I just couldn't finish or play four quarters that he talked about. As you look at Mickey, do you think he's – what do you weigh more? The the situation he's been in or where they finish with with the way they, they end the year? Three and nine, four and eight, five and seven, whatever it may be. How are you judging? How are you looking at, at this opportunity for Mickey when it comes to outside hire versus – Mickey's the guy. You know, I think I think Trev in the back of his mind knows that he needs to go outside higher. Now, that doesn't mean he's not going to give Mickey a fair shot, but I do think Mickey's facing an uphill battle from the beginning just because of everything that's gone on. And I just don't think Trev can look at the state of this Husker program right now and say a first-time head coach is what we need. You know, the first-time guy that's going to be at the helm is what's going to right the ship here. And I think for Mickey – a lot of what he's done is done really good things. But I also think he's proven that he doesn't want to go anywhere. You know, my hope would be that if someone comes in, Mickey wants to stay around. Mm-hmm. You know, I think he's a great recruiter. I think he's a really good coach. I don't know. Maybe he could be a coordinator. I'm not 100% sure. But I think that a new head coach would be really dumb to come in and just ax Mickey Joseph. Now, a lot of it's going to be dependent on what he wants. I think mm-hmm. that's going to be more of a Mickey call than what a new head coach comes in here and wants. But I think that it's going to be a lot based off of how he handles the rest of this year 
how he has the team prepared, not necessarily the product on the field, but are they prepared? Are they doing things right? Are everyone doing things in the week better than they have been? Do you think this team, does it look better? At times. You know, I think at times. I think that our defense looks a lot better than it did early in the season. I think a lot of that has to do with they're playing more free and they're playing Mm -hmm. more foot on the gas. But the problem is our guys run out of gas in the fourth quarter because we just don't have the depth. Ty Robinson played like a machine for three and a half quarters, and then the last last I mean the last fourth quarter there he just was gassed and you don't we just don't have the depth of like rotate guys in to keep guys like Ty and Feast and those guys fresh we're just asking to play too many snaps do you see pieces and potential in that offensive line room for whoever comes in yeah I mean you get Nuri back you get Teddy back there's two instant starters back you know you have now Henry Lutovsky who's struggled at times this year but he's now got experience uh you know you've got some pieces there I do worry about the depth as far as developmental guys, guys that are young, freshmen, sophomores. That I mean, I looked at some of our depth on the sideline. I was like, oh, you don't look like Big Ten O-linemen to me, fellas. You know, and so there's not a lot of depth there. So I do worry about that. But I think that the bones for an instant upgraded O-line is still there. So before we get you out of here, let's quickly go some NFL, if you don't mind, because the Bills dropped a tough one over the weekend. The Jets might be for real, but I think the bigger story from that game is Josh Allen and his health moving forward. Yeah, man, UCL, I was there in 2018 when he did something similar to his elbow, missed a few games, and old Nate Peterman had to come in. So, you know, it's just, I'll tell you this, I think that the Vikings have a really good shot going into Buffalo and beating them if Josh Allen's out. You know, I think that that's a team that is hitting on strides right now. But, yeah, the Jets are for real, dude. The defense, the Jets' defense is for real. If their offense can be serviceable and not turn the ball over, they can win some football games. Jeremiah Searles with us, Hale Varsity Radio. Searles, uh, getting a, a big old buck with your pop. And, uh, and let us know if you need help with any of that deer jerky, bud. Absolutely will do, guys. As always, go Big Red. The Hale Varsity Radio Saturday Morning Show. Strap yourselves in. Here are your hosts, Chris Schmidt. Y'all don't even know he was a virgin until he's 28 and now roll tide. And Mark Cranach. Time has come for someone to put his foot down. And that foot is me. Back with you, Tower 2. It's Hale Varsity on the road here at the Hale Varsity Club in La Vista, just in front of Nebraska, Michigan. Get that giant pretzel ordered. Get a beer. Get a burger, get something hot, maybe a little chili. A little chili sounds, it's, it's a chili Saturday. You see the, the, the new chili they got around here? They the do. short rib chili sounds phenomenal. <laughs> a guy who knows his short ribs is uh, Brandon L. Vogel, Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal, Connor Clark joining us. Vogues, I imagine you just took your coveralls off and you, uh, you, you put a Michigan fan into the wood chipper out back. How are you? <laughs> I'm doing well. Uh, <clears throat> forgot to rent the wood chipper this Saturday, so hopefully <laughs> it didn't spoil the, the entire afternoon for the state of Nebraska, but oversight on my part. No, that's that's all right. I'm, I'm glad that to know that, that you're renting a wood chipper versus having your own. I mean, you look intense, man. You look game ready. You've got the stocking hat going. You're hunkered down in the football office. Uh, I don't know. Are you are you doing chili today? It, it's, I mean, it's a few flurries here in La Vista, quite a few flurries in Ann Arbor. Yeah, uh, I should have done chili today, but battling illness. Uh, so we'll be playing a little bit hurt today. Um, so I'm I haven't sorry, man. or ate anything. 
So. Well, well, Brandon, while we're talking chili here, this kind of gets back to something we were talking about yesterday with hot dogs, chili cheese dogs, yes or no? And then as a follow-up question, would you rather be going chili cheese dogs or chili cheese fries? Chili cheese dogs. I've always had a fondness for chili dogs. Uh, you got to get the chili right. Like, you almost need a specific hot dog chili uh, consistency. You don't want too much liquid. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but I have always, always been a big fan of, of the chili dog. Uh, can't go wrong with chili fries, chili cheese fries either, but given the choice, I'll, I'll take a hot dog every time. Do you subscribe to the notion that those from Chicago know hot dogs better than the rest <laughs> of us? I knew I was going to get roped into this somehow. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, 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 there is a, a long, proud history of, uh, you know, not just hot dogs being popular, but sausage making in, in Chicago. So, I mean, I think you kind of got to give them the benefit of the doubt. Like the classic Chicago dog has, has never been been my thing. Too much vegetables, too many vegetables mm. um, for me. But that's okay. Uh, I'm glad that they have their own singular style. Vogues, let's dive into football. I love the the food aside we get to do. Yeah, can you tell we're avoiding talking about the game well, today? <laughs> I mean, we're, we're huddling up here, and we're like, okay, X's and O's, we'll, we'll, we'll get there. But with, with Nebraska, it's a situation where it's got to be a 180 of, of what Michigan's done all year and a 180 of what Nebraska's done all year it's, it's got to be a murphy's law type game for michigan where everything that can go wrong does go wrong and nebraska still gets some good luck that that's what makes this tough I mean, to talk yeah, about michigan's just like they, they just got to like not show up and not respect their opponent not respect the game and i don't think that that that's capable for uh, for full quarters under harbaugh i mean he just they may sleepwalk a little bit but eventually they'll they'll out talent what do you believe Nebraska can do today? What 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 good can go uh, in a positive direction for Nebraska? Where where can they at least lean today? Yeah, uh, defensively, you know, if they can limit the the big plays, which Nebraska has sort of come along in that area, I guess. You know, specifically since Bill Bush kind of took over coordinating the defense. You know, they're still about average in that. You know, and last year they were really, really good. They were one of the best teams in the country at limiting big plays. So it's not that. But uh, if Nebraska could be a little bit average there, you know, I think back to that Michigan-Penn State game, um, which was – did Michigan trail that by a point at halftime? It was 17-16. Like they had got, it was a good ball game, then it wasn't. Yeah, and I mean, and Michigan was dominating that first half, but the key was, you know, I think they, they missed a field goal or two – or maybe came up short on a couple of fourth downs on the Penn State half of the field. It's that. And, and Michigan has shown the propensity a little bit to to not finish drives that way. I mean, you talk about, like, what can Nebraska do? If you can be situationally strong, you know, Michigan's probably going to get down into Nebraska territory quite a bit. But if you can force field goals instead of giving up, you know, the, the touchdowns, you at least give yourself a chance to, to stay in the game. And for maybe some of those strange things that probably need to happen, you give them an opportunity to happen. Brandon Vogel's with us here. Hail Varsity Radio as we get you all set for Nebraska and Michigan. And 
Brandon, what is your confidence level in Nebraska's tackling based on what we've seen the past couple weeks? If I know anything about Blake Corum, I know he's a very good running back, but he gets a lot of help from his offensive line and from his tight ends. They're great at you know locking up the front seven and giving <clears throat> Blake Corum a one-on-one with either uh, a linebacker or a safety. And whenever I look at this game day, it's if Blake Corum can make that guy miss, he's off to the races. He go 60, 70 yards. If he makes that guy miss, it's going to be huge that Nebraska is able to get Blake Corum to the ground with their first tackle, at least stand him up and let the help come. So what is your confidence level from what you've seen from Nebraska over the past couple weeks that they're going to be able to bring Blake Corum to the ground? Because that's a phenomenal running back. Yeah, it is uh, three in a row for for Nebraska in in that category. Though Corum is is different, I think he's got a little bit more of a big playability than either uh, Chase Brown or Muhammad Ibrahim mm-hmm. did. Um, and, and those guys both got their yards. All things said, though, I thought Nebraska did a good job of like making them earn everything they got. Um, and they both went over 100 yards. And in the the second half of that Minnesota game. Ibrahim kind of took over, but first half he didn't do much at all. So Corum presents a different challenge because if you do miss, um, he's just got the speed and ability to to take these things 40, 50, 60 yards. And I, I feel okay about it from Nebraska's perspective, specifically because of the last two weeks. And I think that's another area that has improved kind of gradually as Nebraska has gone on this season. I think they have become a little bit better tackling. In that regard, though, Brandon, does Nebraska feel the loss of a guy like Miles Farmer today? He was Nebraska's leading tackler last week, probably had his best game as a Husker uh, last week against Minnesota. I think something crazy like 17 or 18 tackles for, for Farmer, and now he's going to be uh, out for this one, suspended, and Nebraska, the, the backup's going to have to step up at safety. What What is your concern level there for the this Husker defense? Yeah, it's a, it's a tough player to lose. Um, that said, I'm, kind of, I'm pretty interested to see Phelan Sanford uh, fill into that that safety spot. You know, walk on transfer, um, really phenomenal athlete who's who's been good on special teams in a way that's pretty easy to miss. You know, a lot of special teams is easy to miss. So I'm actually kind of interested to to see what he's able to do. You know, it, would you rather have your starter back there? Sure. Um, so it it it, it factors in, um, particularly when you talk about Corum and you talk about this O line and their ability to kind of break big runs. Safety, I mean, safeties are big in run run support anyway, but might be potentially big in games like this. Brandon Vogel is with us on Hale Varsity Radio. Brandon, in a game like this today where it's going to be cold, snowy, probably wet at some points, it's going to be a Big Ten football weather game. The ball is going to be a premium, and we know Nebraska has struggled in the turnover margin in the past handful of years, really. Does that give them a better chance to maybe try and get back into that turnover battle, or does that actually hurt them today? Yeah, it's hard to say. I mean, it's 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 tough at this point because it's really been about a decade plus of Nebraska just having some kind of bizarre turnover numbers, either not getting as many takeaways as it quote unquote earned, or having you know losing a high percentage of fumbles all of those sorts of things, um, you know. So it's, it's one of those where until I see Nebraska actually get some of these bounces or, you know, really engineer some takeaways, which I think has been missing, um, it's you, you'd expect Michigan to kind of have the upper hand there. And also Michigan, I think, is is more comfortable playing the, the kind of game that the weather in Ann Arbor kind of leads you to think. Um, they're kind of built that way. Brandon Vogel with us, managing editor, HailVarsity.com and magazine.
Follow him on Twitter at Brandon L. Vogel. His book, Dream Like a Champion, uh, with John Cook, our old buddy Rock Westfall from uh, Wisconsin, reminds me, and thankfully tagging Trev Alberts as well, that uh, there's a lot of empties in Illinois today. And uh, Bert, as he calls Coach Bielema, I say pig farmer, but Bert has got to notice and dream of the packed Sea Red where people really care. <laughs> got, a, got a 14 all uh, score right now between Purdue and, and Illinois. And we're going to shift from Michigan and Nebraska to the Carousel Vogues. And it went from Patterson to, uh, to Coach Prime to uh, let's figure out when, <laughs> when this thing actually gets uh, sewed up, be it Mickey or somebody else. But what's been your assessment of the week of names? Yeah, I mean, it's just going to you? What's your annoyance way. level? What's your annoyance level right now? Is there one? No, I'm not annoyed. Like, I, I kind of love thinking about, like, oh, what do you think about this guy? Or oh, would, this, would this work? Would this fit? And um, so for me, like, the coaching carousel can go on for, well, it's got to be done by the, the end of the regular season. But I have no problem just letting it spin because uh, I like talking about coaches. I like researching coaches. I like kind of trying to figure out how guys do what they do or how they don't do what they do. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I do feel like where you're, I mean, there's only two games left after today, but it does feel like we're getting close to some sort of decision on that front for Nebraska, um, which would, which would make sense. And I'll, you know, credit to, to Trev and the coaching search team, whoever that involved, doesn't seem like it was a, a very big committee because they've definitely kept a pretty tight lid on things. Yeah, and Brendan, that's where I was going to go next with this rumor that came out yesterday with Deion Zach Smith. Say what you will about the guy. Um, I, I do actually tend to believe him whenever I watch that, and whether or not somebody is giving him legitimate information is the question in my mind. But whenever you are, are looking at rumors and, and what could be going on behind the scenes, it almost feels like it's a lot more likely that whatever rumor that comes out that is truthful, because I feel like there will be a truthful rumor out there at some point, will be coming from outside the coaching search. It's not going to be someone within the athletic department spilling the beans. It's going to be you know somebody who's close to a coach telling somebody something, just like we saw with Deion Sanders. And that's why I think when you look at this rumor yesterday, there is some believability to it, because whenever you look at where it's coming from, I think it's a lot more likely that a truthful rumor is going to be coming from outside the Huskers as opposed to inside the athletic department. Yeah, I mean, with most of these, uh, the agents are the way in, which, you know, is is dangerous because agents have their own uh, set of uh, motives, and we, we've seen that play out. But <clears throat> those reporters, those national reporters, are, you know, talking to agents every year about the coaching carousel because they cover it broadly. And at Nebraska, we've, we've done it a lot too much uh, for probably most Husker fans taste, but it's not an annual occurrence, at least not yet. Um, so it, I think that's, that's why you see a lot of that stuff come from, from that direction. You know, it's every agent's out there trying to like help his candidates out, help the people he represents. But eventually you talk to enough of them, you're going to land on one who actually knows something. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, some of the early, early news about which way Nebraska's going did come out that way. Brandon Vogel's with us on Hale Varsity Radio. Brandon, yesterday we had Bill Dolman on the shows we usually do on Fridays, and 
He brought up the idea, which I thought was pretty interesting. What if Trev has kind of had his guy all along? Do you think there's any likelihood of that? Because he mentioned the uh, the situation with Lincoln Riley and USC just a year ago. Do you think there's any weight to something like that happening? I think there. I think there could be. I mean, we know, you know, the decision to bring Frost back, like it, it wasn't a given. Um, you know, it wasn't a, a slam dunk that that's going to happen. And if it wasn't a slam dunk, you know, basically a year ago, almost exactly a year ago at this time, uh, shortly after they let go of that, the handful of assistants that they did, you had to be ready to to start making calls then if, if say, that meeting goes a different way with, with Frost and the restructured contract for this year. So I think that's, I think that's possible. Um, I mean, your, your best chance of pulling a hire that most people would consider a quote-unquote coup of, of some degree probably requires that it probably is you know a conversation that may have started last december like hey just asking like if this were ever to happen would you be interested i i, I could buy that well brandon if there is a trev albert's master plan going on behind the scenes here can you rank some of the candidates because if that is the case there's some candidates who no longer make sense matt rule had a job with the carolina panthers and trev would have to rely on him getting fired so that really doesn't make sense for him to be master plan say the same about Leopold with the success he's had this season. If there's a master plan, you wouldn't think that he would have been a top candidate this past offseason or whenever Scott was let go. So who do you think some of those candidates for a, a quote-unquote Trev Alberts master plan could be? Got to be Aranda. That's it. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's De- bad. You, you could go Dion too, though. You could go Dion too from a, from a master plan standpoint, just in terms of, you know, Dion will always have that name around no matter what he did this year with uh, with Jackson State. Um, yeah, I think that, you know, that theory does certainly kind of shrink the pool quite a bit because you're most likely, you're looking at somebody who, like, in Leipold's case, like, maybe it's early enough. Like, it's just been year one at Kansas. And, you know, you say, hey, really like what you do and really respect what you have done. Uh, just keep us in mind if something changes here. You could have that conversation. But most likely, I mean, you're probably looking at somebody who may have been available then, which is a small group. Bronco Mendenhall had basically resigned at the end of the year. Um, So so there's one, like somebody like Chris Peterson, who I continue to bring up, even though I don't think it's remotely close to to being an option. I just wish that it were for for Nebraska's sake. Um, I mean, here's a guy who's obviously has a job, um, and probably has what most people think is the last job he'll he'll ever have. But I just know that the respect level between Alberts and Pat Fitzgerald is is super high. Um, so who knows? Maybe they got together in Dublin uh, under the, the cloak of night, and we just all missed it. <laughs> you and I were dancing around or watching people dance. Let me put it that way, since it wasn't a foot footloose reenactment maybe in the back room of the uh, the mary cobbler that 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 happened i don't know because hey fitz did stay an extra couple of days it's true look, look, that's look true chris and, chris and i chris and i did our best we tried to scout out every single pub in dublin looking to see if that meeting <laughs> if that meeting was happening but there's just there's just a lot uh, there's a lot of places to hide it turns out uh, it was it was awesome. I'm just imagining Vogel, Vogel going Sherlock Holmes. He's got the overcoat and the hat with a little pipe out the mouth, just walking around Dublin. 
Vogue's just hunkered down, and, and, and we just we, – we, we people watched Cranach. It was wonderful. Um, it was good. Now, okay, so I'm going to – what – of the names out there, who's the hardest sell for you if you're Trev? And is there an easiest? Good question. Um, I think – I think I think somebody like Bronco Mendenhall would be a tough sell. Um, I don't. You've kind of got to dig into what he did at BYU, and then I think you really got to dig into what he did at Virginia um, to to respect what what he was able to do during those two head coaching. I think, he's, I, I, think, think he's, I think he's a hell of a coach. Good coach. I, really I, good I coach. think so too. Um, he's just not somebody that you know. I think the average college football fan would be like, oh, Nebraska just just nailed it. Um, so I think that's one, you know, a, a prospect that I've spoken with you guys before that I have some reservations about somebody like Gary Patterson. I feel like that's kind of an easy sell, uh, until you dig into it. So it's, it's sort of the opposite case a little bit. Um, and, you know, I'm not saying it, it, it wouldn't work. I just like I said, I have some, res- I have some reservations about how that TCU stent ended. You know, I think, I think a Leipold. Um, and we'll see what, how Kansas finishes out. But, like, I think that's probably as close as you come to, like, okay, you announce that, everybody's pretty happy. They can point to something recently. Uh, Kansas is making a bowl. Um, and point to those Buffalo years, and everybody pretty quickly understands it. So there's, there's a range of at least three guys for you. Fellas, uh, this is coming out of Ann Arbor. Yep, I just saw this too. And uh... – Good stuff from Hale Varsity. Logan Smothers not participating nope. in warm-ups. As live as it gets, he came onto the field late for warm-ups. So he is on the field for warm-ups, but Chubba Purdy is taking snaps with Trent Hicks in the number one center. So it appears as if Chubba is going to be the number one guy today. You know, Vogues, you go back to, to Logan not running on third and five. It's not like him. You just wonder uh, where, the, where the shoulder's at. That's what I'm wondering, too, if there's some sort of – you know, behind the scenes locker room, he's late for warmups because there's some sort of preventative care. And Chuba taking snaps with the number ones also makes you wonder, based on what you saw last week, why would that guy be the number one guy if Logan is fully healthy? So that's uh, that's something to to ponder. And Brandon, I guess we'll get you out on this. With that in mind, thirty and a half is the line today. I'm not going to ask you to predict a score, but what's your feel on thirty Where's and a half now lead? with that information? We're in right mind? by the river. We can go across the river and <laughs> put it down. Let's hypothetically say you're betting with my money. <laughs> yeah. So in my my weekly pickup group, which is just for for confidence points, I did take Nebraska, but for just two points. That's out of possible okay. twenty five. Gotcha. Um, that said, today's today's news, like I, I don't. I don't feel great about it. I mean, like, I think this is going to unfold pretty much to Michigan's favor, you know, so it'll probably be in that 34, 7, 42, 10 range. So right there uh, on 30. So pick which one of those you like, and that'll tell you if you take, <laughs> take the points or, or lay the points. Bogues wants his vig, okay? You're going to ask the man That's advice, true. you give him his 10%. Bogues, uh, get to feeling better, brother. Thanks for the time, and give Junior a pound, okay? Sounds good, guys. Thanks. There he is. Brandon Vogel with us. Hale Varsity Club is where we're at. Uh, Connor is staring a laser through us. He's back at the ESPN studios. Quick break. Sorry, Connor. There's late breaking news. What can you do? And then we got to get to the iron. 
We got to get to the uh, yeah right. Uh, we got to get to the Iron Horse <laughs> and uh, Gary Sharp. Hail Varsity continues. We're presented by Currency. Glad to have you back. Yes, sir. You heard me right. Here are the guys, Schmidt and Cranach. Well, Hector, here's the game plan. You're going to bring us two absolute martinis. You know how I like them straight up. And then precisely seven and one half minutes after that, you're going to bring us two more. Then two more after that every five minutes until one of us passes out. Excellent strategy, sir. Well, we do not know the over-under on... uh, Martinis with pharmacist Jeff tonight ahead of the Dave Matthews show. He is scoffing at me. He's a bourbon guy, not a martini guy. Uh, Elijah Herbal's here at the Hale Varsity Club. Chris Schmidt, Connor Clark back at our ESPN studios. We welcome in the Iron Horse, and he has uh, chains on his tires for all sorts of snow in Ann Arbor. Sharpie, how we doing? Good, good. What the heck? It was what? 75 not too long ago. Now all of a sudden winter is here. What, 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 what's happening? Oh, it's Nebraska. You and I both know it and love it. But it's so – it's a big-time old slap in the face where you go from 75 to, to 30, but 30 feels like 10. We've so, lived here long enough we should know to expect We still this, hate it, though. No, 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 I mean, no, no, no. If you're Nebraskans, you're supposed to complain about the onset of winter, and then everybody goes, <laughs> well, you guys have lived here your entire life. And we go, yeah, you're right, but let us let us complain for uh, one day. But this is November weather. This is Big Ten football weather, boys. It, it is. And, you know, what's awesome about Big Ten football weather is having a line in a run game, Sharpie. <laughs> well, and, and, and you look at teams that have played well in November, like Kirk Ferentz is on a heck of a streak of, of winning in November. They have the, the, the right identity when you play in conditions where the wind's going to blow a little bit and it's going to be cold and you know can you make defense portable can you run the ball and you know i mean that that's that's the mystery today is you know that you're, you're dreading this game i use the example guys 2018 third game of frost era nebraska goes to michigan afterwards eric chenander told me he said we knew we were in trouble when we walked on the field and we looked at their players compared to the size of our players but you, we knew that we're going to be able to fix this as time goes on and you, you know, and that was 56-10, and Harbaugh ran it up a little bit. He had a thing against Frost uh, from their, you know, their previous time against Central Florida. But, but you left that game going, okay, there's some hope. Now you, flash, you, you forward to 2022, and Nebraska's a gigantic underdog, and you go, okay, I dread this game like I did in 18, but then you have, like, some anxiety of what's going to happen down the road. It's really kind of weird, and the one constant is Harbaugh. And he knows how to win in the Big Ten. And we'll see. You know, I, I think a lot of people have debated. You guys have. Of what do you take away from this game? I think Nebraska will play hard. I think they will be prepared out of the gate. But I don't think they have enough boxing gloves to hang in there against Michigan. And that's the problem today. Uh, Gary Sharp with us here on the uh, Hale Varsity Radio pregame show as we get you set for Nebraska and Michigan. And, Gary, the, the late-breaking news is that Logan Smothers was MIA from warm-ups until he wasn't. Roll out there late, but Chubba Purdy taking snaps with the number ones. Looks like he's going to be the guy today. What does that tell you about what this offense is going to look like today? Is Nebraska going to be willing to commit to the ground game? And are they going to be able to establish a ground game without a a true running threat at quarterback? If Chubba is the guy, I should say. So I'm not surprised that Purdy is starting because, you know, Whipple is not going to cave into public pressure what all we want. And I knew knew Purdy was going to be the starter guys on Wednesday when Whipple said, Hey, Chubba's been consistent this week. 
Um, here's what has to happen. For Nebraska to get out of the gates, you go back, they had one of the best opening drives. I don't care who was playing quarterback. Last week against Minnesota. Why? Because they forced Minnesota to play 11-on-11 with a threat of a quarterback run game with Purdy going under center. They brought in two tights. So they made it difficult on Minnesota, and they, they added a couple of new wrinkles. But I think for Nebraska to run the football today, they've got to go with two tights. And, you know, who knows what's going to happen. Mickey says, let's get three to four yards. Whipple says, just F it, throw it down there, and hope Palmer is somewhere <laughs> in the neighborhood. Um, I don't think, I, you know, I don't think much will change. What I'm curious to see is how long, if Chuba struggles when they get away from the scripted stuff, how long he stays in the game if he does struggle, and if we get Logan Smothers sooner than later, and then what kind of a package does Smothers have? Because, guys, we could start the game with a script and it looks good, but can Logan Smothers have scripted plays as well? That's what we don't know. That's a good question. If you put a, if you put a different script together for Logan and, and you have that to go to, maybe, maybe you have, dare I say, four or five drives in a row that – are good. You move the ball or you, you get some points. Gary Sharp is with us. Hale Varsity Club is where we're located at here. Uh, Roadshow Saturday. Gary, I, I just struggle with, and Searles laid this out perfectly, like the different philosophies of offensive coordinators. And he kind of labeled Whipple a box checker where you, you just go down the list, right? Versus staying on something that's working and and then going somewhere else once a defense adjusts and that's you know we we're sitting next to each other last saturday and we're like yep. oh wow that looked great uh, more of that yes if you're a nebraska fan and it, i just don't get it you've been around a lot of pros and, and college guys why they why they move on why they move on from what's working it, it seems so simplistic bud that you, you keep hammering away until you get stopped at something but that's not how a lot, of, a lot of offensive football works, it doesn't seem like. No, and that's, uh, you know, and, and, and Mark Whipple, guys, we knew what we were getting with Mark Whipple. We wanted to, because it was all in the off season, and they're like, hey, Narduzzi, shut up. You don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> uh, if, you go, if you go back and listen, he was actually spot on. So you knew what you were getting with Whipple. Here's my thing with the play calling, and, and a lot of play callers are like this. There's a reason, guys, that they have a big play sheet. There's a lot of plays there. They like to use a lot of plays. There are very few people, the Mike Leaches and the Lincoln Rileys of the world, that have those little tiny play sheets. Heck, even Frost, who used to have a little tiny play sheet, his got bigger. So they have a tendency to overthink things or want to go with the full array and kind of show off. And in this case, gosh, for Nebraska to like keep their head above water today before the Anaconda, which is Michigan, that surrounds you and then just squeezes you. Nebraska has to be so simple today, but they have to be efficient being simple. They don't need to be chunky. You know, I can be chunky, but I would also like to be very simple, and simple can be sexy. And I think Nebraska has to find a way to do that, but I think Whipple wants gets a little bit uncomfortable if it's three, four, five yards and just trying to move the stick because he feels like Michigan then or any other team kind of settles in and they've already figured him out. So, it's going to be the game within the game to see how Whipple handles the Michigan defense, especially if, once again, Mark Whipple can't trust his offensive line. Guys, I think there was another key phrase this week when I think it was Piper that said, we want to prove to Mickey that, we can, that he can have confidence in running the ball. Not to the play caller, but to the head coach to pass it along to say, hey, stick with Anthony Grant. 
Anthony Grant needs 20-plus carries today for Nebraska to at least at least hang around and not get the doors blown off early. Gary Sharp is with us on Hale Varsity Radio. And, Gary, we talked to Michigan insider Greg Henson yesterday on the show, and he talked about how Michigan's defensive line last year, the pressure was mainly coming from the edge. Now it's coming across the board, inside and out. How does Nebraska game plan for that, and how do they keep whoever is back at quarterback clean here today? Connor, great question. And I think the case here is, one, you can't have a prettier smothers get antsy. And I think it's pretty easy because you worry about that offensive line, but you got to hang in there a little bit longer. But what I think the most effective thing for Nebraska today is they're going to have the element of the quarterback run game. And I'm going back to what I said earlier. They got to force Michigan to go, hey, Nebraska's going to play 11 on 11. I think you'll see a lot of two tight end sets today for Nebraska trying to have added protection and their ability to run the football. I think that's how they handle the interior of Michigan. But this is a really good Michigan defense that doesn't necessarily sack you all the time. And I think they have a little over three sacks per game. But they cause a lot of pressures, and that pocket collapses. So Purdy and Smothers, they can't all of a sudden just bail. they got to hang in there knowing they're going to get hit if they're going to deliver a pass on a pass play or get rid of the ball and live for another down. Gary Sharps with us here. And, Gary, to flip this around to the defensive side of the ball, what can Nebraska do from a, a game plan since to try to slow down a guy like Blake Corum? And just to, to add on to that, you have to consider the factor of Miles Farmer not going to be in action today. He's suspended. Is that impact going to be felt from this Husker defense with, with a guy like Blake Corum coming at him where, you, you know, with, with that Michigan offensive line, there's probably going to be some one-on-one opportunities where a safety has to bring down Blake Corum. Yeah, that offensive line is Maulers, and Corum runs behind. And, you know, when they need a first down, Corum goes and gets it. 69 of his carries have, have moved the sticks. That's 35% of their first downs, guys, have, have been because of Blake Corum. And, you know, they just, they, they're a bulldozer. They keep wearing on you and wearing on you and wearing on you. And they don't necessarily get monster big chunk plays out of the run game. But you look up at the scoreboard and go, my God, how'd they run for 418 on Penn State? But what you have to do against Corum, and he's a he's a little bowling ball, is you've got to be able to stop him. You've got to be able to gang tackle him. You can't have leaky yardage where you make the first hit four yards down the field, and then he goes another 12. You have to be able to make that first initial contact, slow him up, maybe some gang tackling. Because if Nebraska is to have any chance or anybody have any chance against Michigan this year, they need to take a, they need to slow down Corum and Edwards, and they need to make J.J. McCarthy beat you. If Nebraska is forcing McCarthy to throw the ball early, especially on third downs, that's a bright spot for Nebraska. I think Nebraska's defense will hang in there, guys. But they, we said the same thing about Rutgers, and you look what happened in the second half. They hung in there, and then it was just way too much uh, when they got to the uh, second half. Quick update here. Illinois now trails Purdue 21-14, to 14, about halfway home. In the third quarter, Kentucky's ahead of Vanderbilt, 15-14. The Irish up 11. Missouri looks much better than they did earlier in the year. They're still uh, hanging around. I mean, they're down you know, 17 points. And then I mean, they're going up against an unstoppable force. In that LSU is clinging to a, a three-point lead. That's a tough ask to go to Fayetteville after uh, upsetting Bama. Sharpie, we're going to switch to the coaching carousel. As uh, we're, we're now into the uh, second week in November. What do you believe, my man? <laughs> uh, sorry, I have, I'm, I have vested interest in the Illinois-Purdue game, and Illinois just scored. They're going to go for the extra points tied at 21. Uh, I Bam. think you asked me about yesterday. 
I, 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 I said, what, what do you believe? And I just left it open okay. with the coaching search right now. So this is what I believe, is that there have been some discussions as everybody is comfortable on board with certain candidates and moving forward. That's what I believe. I don't read into a little bit of uh, how quiet it was this week. I think the process is moving along. I think a lot of the names that have been out there recently, guys, are legit names. I think there's a, still a surprising guy out there. But I also think this. This is kind of what you are in the options. Is Mickey Joseph still a viable candidate? Yes. Is he as strong as he was two weeks ago? Probably not. Because I think if you're going to have Mickey as your head coach, that announcement may have come this week or it's going to come shortly. But here's what I think Trev is looking at. You want Mickey Joseph to be part of your football program. Right now, guys, I could walk through the football office, and I've talked to people in the football office, and they love Mickey. Mickey is such a breath of fresh air. His personality is just the way he treats people, the way he greets people, he talks to people, he engages people. And on the current roster, they love him. You know what the recruiting class is. So this is one of the elements that Trev is trying to figure out is I need Mickey on my staff if he's not my head coach. Is there a guy out there that his strengths and Mickey's strengths are going to combine? But you also have to be careful that it's not that easy to just say to a new guy, hey, I got this guy on campus. He's an elite recruiter. He's got the pulse of that locker room. You got to keep him. So there's a lot of those things that I think are going on. But, you know, yesterday, I mean, yesterday was 60 days, guys. So we're now starting to get a little stir-crazy when it comes to rumors and everything. But I think a lot of the names that are out there are real names, and I think we're starting to get a little bit closer where when the season is over, you will see an announcement pretty quick after that. And I think when Nebraska unveils their new coach, they will unveil the plan. Like a lot of things will fall into place in terms of a staff pretty quickly. Well, Gary, let's talk Dion. It's it's the elephant in the room. Is that just smoke or is there fire to that smoke oh i do not believe that at all i i do not believe that at all elaborate why, why do you not believe the Deion sanders name i think whenever husker fans look at it you look at the recruiting and you say you know i, I can be sold on what a, a tag team of mickey joseph and Deion sanders could do on the recruiting trail why is that not a, a fit in your mind why let me let me ask you this and I, i'm not fighting you on this i just i i never ever thought that Deion Sanders was a Nebraska, a Nebraska target. Um, why would Deion Sanders come to Nebraska? I, uh, that's the answer. He wouldn't. Yeah, so that's, I'm if, not, and I'm not putting you on the spot, Elijah. I'm just, that's the question I ask when people say, Deion Sanders to Nebraska. You know what? Deion, before the, the, whole, the whole crime stuff and everything that he stands for and he passes on to his team, he's turned into a pretty good football coach. But he can also be choosy about jobs he wants to go to and also areas where he has a strength in knowledge of the area and where he currently recruits, whether it be where he lived in Texas and started his coaching career or in the South, that there would be more fits for what he wants to do and where he can be than in the Big Ten in the Midwest where he doesn't have a lot of familiarity with. Not saying he's a bad coach. I just don't know how he's a fit for the Big Ten and Nebraska over places in the in the South like Auburn or Georgia Tech where I would be like, wow, I got to look at him because of what he brings to our program in terms of recruiting, 
identity, and he's a good football coach. So when that all started yesterday, I was like, all right, we've reached the day 60. I'm a, we might as well go back and revisit Houston Nuts maybe getting on a plane or not down in Arkansas. Gary Sharp's with us on Hale Varsity Radio. Gary, in a perfect world, who does Gary Sharp hire as the next coach of the Nebraska Cornhuskers? Uh, that is a great question. Um, <laughs> there's a guy. There, hey, there's a guy that I like that's coaching in Lexington, Kentucky, right now against Vanderbilt, mm. and he's got a very good staff. Uh, I found it interesting that they just offered a Ainsworth, Nebraska kid. But he's got Vince Morrow, who used to be here. I think Mark Stoops is a really good football coach. Um, you know, I, I've been a big fan of Dave Aranda. Uh, I've been a fan of Matt Campbell. I think what has happened, guys, you remember the first run of, of names that were mentioned? A lot of them were regional names. Those names have basically disappeared. I, I, think, I think there are some guys in this search, not that were offered the job, but just declined to go forward on any possibility of being interviewed. I think that has happened along the way. And so then you kind of got into the next set of names that are out there that have become kind of recycled over the last couple of weeks. But a Mark Stoops and a Dave Aranda are two guys that I really, really like. I don't believe, and I was down in Lawrence, Kansas, earlier in the week, I, I, I don't believe Lance Leipold is looking to leave Lawrence. I think now he's got a really good situation and he's a really good football coach. But right now, we're all kind of throwing darts at the wall. If you're, if you're saying, hey, I got a source that's telling you that, nobody has a source right now. And that's a credit to Trev. They've kept this tight. Even in the inner circle, they've kept this tight. So what are, what are the chances that Trev goes cloak and dagger on this thing and, and pulls a name that nobody really expected? I mean, there's been so many names floated around. I think we've at least probably talked about a, a name that oh, yeah. would be a cloak and dagger candidate. But in terms of, of cloak and dagger likelihood from Trev Alberts where, you know, the press conference gets announced and everyone's a little bit surprised. Do you, do you think that's a, a potential with a, a Trev Alberts master plan? I do, Elijah, and I said that. I said that off to the side when this started. Is Trev in his brief hiring history, which of course does not include any major Power Five football coach, but his hiring history, there will be people that are off the radar that he hires, and you go, whoa, where did that come from? And then you start to connect the dots on who Trev is and what he's looking for, and you go, that makes sense. So, yes, certainly there is that person out there. I think this week becomes, if you're looking for that, you start connecting dots to the search firm and then who have they delivered in the past. And you go, okay, they went that guy to there, that guy to there. It's all, I mean, we, we, we're now 61 days, guys. We've kind of exhausted all the avenues, but that's why this kind of needs to be over sooner than later so Nebraska football can, can move on internally and externally, and I think we are nearing the finish line. Gary Sharp with a Sharpie in your time with, with UNO and, and being around Trev and seeing the hires he's made to, <laughs> to programs. Gary Sharp sound effects. <laughs> Buy it now for Christmas. Um, uh, what, what are some traits? What do you love about his, his past hires that you've been around? Well, they all kind of have the same kind of personality. They are grinders. They're 24-7. They're good people on and off the field. They're relationship builder, builders. Um, they have a lot of consistency in their personal life and in their professional life. Um, they're pretty focused. They have been able to surround themselves with either more experienced people or less experienced because they have a trait of being able to develop. 
um, coaches. Uh, I, I think all of those things that I've seen, whether they be hired guys at Omaha or Nebraska that are in the administration wing or not, I think you have to look at those because Trev does have a pattern. You know, I've always said this. Trev probably, in a, in a, in a, in a best-case scenario, would love to find the John Cook of college football because he admires what John Cook stands for and how he runs his program and, of course, the success. He would love to find that guy. Maybe the only guy out there would be a a Chris Peterson, and I don't know if he's, you know, looking to get back into the game. I think we've kind of passed that one by. Mm -hmm. But that's that's how I – when I look at at Trev, he's looking for that kind of a person, John Cook, who grinds, who has it down, who has a plan, just keeps churning it over and over, and is always looking to get better – uh, day after day, year after year. Gary, Gary oh. I just want to go last thought here, Gary, yeah. before, we, before we let you go. we got about 30 seconds left here. The Class A state title game this year, Gretna Westside, it's a rematch of last season. What is your reaction to those two teams making it to the final game? Uh, it's something we wanted. It's going to be uh, highly contested. Two teams that last night played their best game of the year. It's going to be a fantastic game. Two great quarterbacks. Of course, we remember what it was like last year. Uh, there will be a lot of attention on Westside to make up for what happened last year. But look out for Gretna. They got the golden boy at quarterback. I think it's going to be a great Class A final once again. Sharpie, enjoy your weekend. Have a good call tomorrow, bud. Thanks for the time today. Hey, thanks, guys. Enjoy uh, at least the first quarter today. <laughs> there he is. Gary Sharp with us, the Iron Horse. Hale Varsity Radio here at the Hale Varsity Club. You're invited out for Nebraska and Michigan. Uh, great food and drink specials, salads, pizza, pretzels, beers. All that good stuff. Connor uh, will be anchoring with Motsi, uh, Real Red Reaction. We'll chime in as well. Elijah Herbal, Chris Schmidt, thanks for taking time today with Hale Varsity Radio, presented by Currency.